Welcome to the Passion Harvest podcast audio series. Thank you so much for listening today. I am Louisa, your host, International Passion Ambassador. If you would like to watch this episode, please head over to our Passion Harvest channel on YouTube. We love taking you on a journey to discover your passions. Thanks for listening. Hello, passionate listeners. Welcome to Passion Harvest. My name is Patrick, and I'm the host of your show, International Passion Ambassador. I have got a super exciting guest here today. And if you like this interview, please subscribe. My super exciting, super amazing guest here today is someone you know very well. She is normally the host of Passion Harvest, but this time, and once again, she is the guest, and we welcome her today for the episode we are calling Trading Places Part Two. So please welcome Louisa. Great to have you on your show. How are you doing? Great. Patrick, thank you so much. You're such a team player and I'm so happy you're here and I'm here for Trading Places too. I'm really excited and looking forward to it and can't wait to dive right in. This is going to be know. juicy. I don't know if you noticed my, my background that I have over here. I've, I've kind of stepped into another dimension and uh, <laughs> I can't stop looking one at that it. is parallel <laughs> to yours. And <laughs> yeah. This is a great feature. Okay, well, we got some, we got everything nailed down this time for this interview so that we, uh, we've got some, some good, good juicy topics, as you would say. Um, I guess we should just go ahead and dive right in. So, Louisa, let's talk about fear. Um, let's talk about moving through fear. Um, let's talk about, you know, you, that you would want to be afraid of the unlived life versus the lived life. Mm. Uh, fear has come up so much for me recently and fear is so prevalent in our, particularly with our global climate at, at, at this point in time. And I've realized one of my top 10 passions is to embrace my fears. And I always think about this nowadays. Um, I'll give you some examples in a minute, but I've realized that embracing fear is ultimately the death of fear and fear is the destroyer of dreams and fear holds us back from so many things people are so afraid afraid to live afraid to hope afraid to find love afraid to dream afraid to die and quite possibly afraid of their own freedom but i would say to you be afraid of the unlived life be afraid of the half-lived life, and as Socrates said, the unexamined life is not worth living. Fear is terrifying, and I've recently experienced that Patrick and I are offering Soul Harvest monthly events, live events, and their intuitive communication. The last one was at the beginning of this month, and I really would encourage you, the group collective consciousness is quite amazing. Um, I think the next one is on the 6th and 7th of September and I'll put a link in the show notes but before this event for days I was terrified I was nervous I was so fearful but I was determined to overcome this fear and I what was I afraid of I was afraid that this was a live event that people were watching me and I might not have anything important to say I might pause for the longest time and people would think I wasn't worthy and people would think I was bizarre and strange. 
And I knew that this fear wasn't real. Fear is shadows and shadows aren't real. But I was, it was so interesting to observe how it gripped my body and my mind and my egoic mind kept fighting with all these uh, parallel thoughts of unworthiness and und undeserving of, of this event. But I did it and it was great. And the minute I dived into it, the fear disappeared. Fear slithered away. And it's just an example that I like to use to embrace your fear. So I would say to you, whatever it is you're afraid of, it's time to do it. Whatever you're fearful of doing, jump. Just do it. I really, really encourage this and it's liberating and it's empowering and it's refreshing. So don't live a half-lived life. Don't live an unlived life. Life's too short. Life is precious. Would you have it that your heart would not see the full spectrum of colours or your heart would not be able to sing its true song? When you look back on your, your life, you don't want regrets. You don't want to say, I never took up that opportunity to love or I never took up that career opportunity or I never took that trip. For me, and I can only talk for me, and this is a show about me trading places too, but I want to look back and say, I loved and I took that opportunity and I jumped and I lived a full lived life. So I would really encourage you to do that. That's my talk on fear. <laughs> well, that was a wonderful, wonderful answer. Um, one of the things that we could go, we can move directly away from fear and keep on the same kind of subject, but on the subject of love, which is embracing love and embracing a loving life. For us, the expressions of love are, you know, the complete and total opposite of fear. So let's talk a little bit about love. What, how do you see love? Well, love to me is, is the polar opposite of fear. You can either choose to embrace love or you can choose to embrace fear. At the end of the day, love to me is what it's all about. We all, we all search for love. The problem that, not the problem, the issue that many people in searching for love, they look at their external environment. They look for others or things to fulfill the love that's lacking within them for approval, for worthiness. But the greatest love I've realized, and I'm learning this since trading places one as well, that love, the greatest love is found within you. And when we start having ourselves as our object of desire, we are able to attract a greater amount of love around us and allow the love to flow through us and to us. The funny thing is, and me included, <laughs> of course, is love is what everyone wants. But at the same time, it's the thing that we're utterly terrified of. <laughs> it's quite ironic. We search for love, yet we're terrified of it because it, to love someone or something, it makes us vulnerable. We have to surrender. We have to open our heart. We have to lay naked and bear pieces of ourselves that could suffer you know there's so many types of love there's love of a family there's love of friends there's love of a, a romantic love 
And romantic love, for an example, is one of like the most powerful, powerful loves and it makes you dizzy with recklessness. Romantic love can offer you great riches and rewards, but also great loss and great suffering. And I'm going to give you an example. And I was thinking about it before this talk in my own life. If you can look at a broken heart, and I'm going to give this example of a broken heart that happened to me about five years ago. If you can look at a broken heart as the power of suffering, and my gosh, I would never want to wish suffering or grief or sorrow or loss on anyone, certainly myself. But if you can look at it as and, and adopt it as a transformative experience, it can be very, very powerful. Grief and loss and suffering and heartbreak are all intertwined. They're all rejection. They're all losing something when you gave pieces of your heart and pieces of yourself. And it's a traumatic experience, but it can be a spiritually transformative experience. It was for me anyway. <laughs> this is, so this happened about five years ago. I fell utterly and madly in love. And <laughs> I was thinking about it the other day. If I had listened to the signs, at this stage, I wasn't necessarily walking consciously. This guy, you know, love is blind. He's a half bucket of love kind of guy. And he'd, I'd probably never meet him on my timeline nowadays. But I was thinking about the second date we were going on and I was so excited and it, it was at night and it was dark <laughs> and I was rushing out to, through the car park to go and meet him and I was thirsty and I opened the car door and had a swig of water just to alleviate my nervousness but it wasn't water, it was, <laughs> it, it was windscreen wiper fluid. <laughs> I've got to laugh at myself. <laughs> And I thought about it the other night and I thought, Louisa, could the signs have been any more obvious? Wake up, you're drinking windscreen wiper fluid. <laughs> it's literally like open your eyes. This is probably not the best path or trajectory for you to go on. But of course, I didn't listen. Of course, you know, I was fashionably late and got to the date. My throat was a little bit raw and I had a constant taste of windscreen wiper fluid. <laughs> um, and every, no, I was going to say every time I hiccuped, I blew bubbles, but I didn't. That was a joke. <laughs> but the rest is absolutely true. Anyway, this, this romance, I fell madly and utterly and completely in love and I didn't look at all the signs. And it only lasted a few months. And I spent the next few months trying to understand how I offered this wealth of love to someone and they rebuked it. They didn't want it. I couldn't understand. And a healing took place. I walked on the beach every night and I had long talks with myself under the moon and the stars. And I, I felt broken at some time and, you know, love and loss and grief, whatever it might be in whatever capacity it grips you sometimes unawares and breaks you down and maybe I like to play the romantic tragic figure but I healed I healed after that and I realize now that I didn't just heal I grew I grew into a new version of Louisa I I from that point on I was gifted a new me 
I was gifted the opportunity to examine my life and look at my life from an external perspective and realize that the life I was living was certainly not the life I wanted for myself. From that point on, I made a conscious decision to live a full life. And without my heart being broken and ripped apart and the light shone in in the cracks, I would have never had that. And thinking about this talk and all these emotions had come up for me, I realized that I was reborn and I was a new Louisa. And after those few months of beach walks and the romantic tragic figure and long talks with myself under the moon, I was a new Louisa and I could never go back to the old one. And so often in loss and fear and, and, and all these situations we can, and I'm not discrediting loss or fear or sorrow or grief, and it is a powerful process and one that we need to accept and move through. But those that are left behind, so many people are suffering and it's sorrowful and griefful and they never move on. And that makes me sad because the ones that are left behind are still alive. And if you can look at the power of suffering as a journey on the path, a journey to make you a more expanded version of you, if you can transform for it, from it, it's not for nothing, it's worthwhile. And, you know, the power of life, I mean, the commonality of life, the common denominator of life for those that are living, that for those that are left behind, for those that are growing, the common denominator is growth. Everything grows. And I would encourage you, if you're suffering or going through trauma or loss, to transform yourself and continue to grow. And in time, it obviously doesn't, doesn't happen instantly, but you're still alive. You're still here. How can you be a better version of you? And that was really my real takeaway from one aspect of love that I experienced in, yeah, that, that, that was a powerful experience, Patrick. You talked about um, grief and suffering. And I, I guess that, you know, well, not guess, that that's, that's a big part of the whole, you know, we have fear, we have love, we go through these ups and downs as you described, which was a, a beautiful story, by the way. Um, so when it comes to, to grief and suffering, you know, death, loss, heartbreak, the, the power of suffering and such. How are you, how do you, what do you think about those, those class of feelings, emotions, and how, how to handle that? How, to, how, how do you handle grief and suffering? Oh, that's such a powerful question. And it's different for everyone. We're all so different. It's, everyone experiences it in different ways. Everyone has different degrees of how they experience events. And like I said before, if and, I've, and many of the guests on the show, they said, you can't deny grief. You can't ignore it. And I've said it comes to grip you when you least expect it. Probably when you're, at, when you're down, it comes and pulls you down and takes you unawares. But many of my guests on the show have said, you have to feel it. You have to surrender to it. You have to free fall backwards. Otherwise, you can never move on. You can never grow. And if you can embrace the power of suffering as horrible as it might be, 
you are able to move on. You can, we choose, we choose our own joy and we choose our own sorrow and the lessons we learn along the way, whether joyful or tragic or sorrowful, can be very powerful for us. I mean, I certainly wanted to move through that because I didn't want to have it again and I didn't want to come back for another life and experience that I wanted to learn my lesson. I'll give you an analogy, just a, a very unusual thing that happened to me. I was, I was thinking about a, at my grandmother's funeral, which was many years ago, and I absolutely loved my grandmother. She was a, a pivotal, powerful force in my early years. And I, I think I said on the last episode that she always made me spaghetti bolognese sandwiches and I love them. <laughs> I don't know why I remember that about her, but she was amazing. She literally, she literally was one of those grandmothers that thought I was perfect. Literally, I could massacre a whole town and she'd think of some reason why it wasn't my fault. <laughs> so my grandmother's funeral... Don't get it wrong. I, I was sad and sorrowful and I absolutely loved her. But this is just an, one of the many expressions that people express because of grief. And I don't know how this happened to me. Actually, I don't know how lots of things happened to me, like future memories that we'll talk about in a minute. But I'm sitting in the front row of the church and it's my grandmother's funeral and my brother's on one side and my husband, ex-husband now, is on the other side. and. I think the priest is talking and my ex-husband didn't have a particularly good relationship with my grandmother, but all of a sudden he starts bawling his eyes out and starts crying hysterically. And I look over at my brother and he looks at me and we look at my ex-husband and I burst out laughing. <laughs> it was, I was horrified at my behavior. It was literally like, I can understand people with Tourette's because I, I, it was uncontrollable. And I thought, oh, my God, why am I doing this? It doesn't mean that I loved my grandmother any less, but it was so comical to look at my ex-husband boy his eyes out. And I thought, and then my mother, I could feel her digging her nails into my hand. She was so angry at me. And the priest was trying to talk. And I could hear my brother giggling. And I thought, you know what? I'm not going to look at him. I kept saying, because... You know, we live in the magnetic universe, but I thought, I'm not going to look at him. I'm not going to look at him. But I knew he was staring at me. And every time I turned to look at him and in my eyesight, I saw my ex-husband bawling, I'd burst out laughing. It was terrible. I couldn't stop. I don't know if you've ever experienced this. It happened to me when I was younger at school. In class, I think I had a girlfriend and we couldn't stop giggling about it. We got in so much trouble. But it was just a very different expression of love and goodbye and grief. And it got to the stage that I knew my brother was looking at me and my ex-husband was still bawling his eyes out and I couldn't stop laughing. It got uncontrollable and this went on for about 45 minutes. And I thought, thank God I had a scarf around my neck. I put the scarf over my mouth. And I really hoped that most of the people in the church thought I was bawling my eyes out uncontrollably. It was a really interesting experience. And I wasn't sad after that about my grandmother leaving. I, I wasn't sad. I was, I was happy. I, I found joy in a somewhat morbid situation. And after, after the service, I went outside and a family member came up to me and my eyes were puffy from crying tears of laughter. 
And she said, oh, Louisa, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry for your loss. And I said, well, thank you very much. And then my sister, who was sitting behind me, in the chairs behind me, came up to me and said, Louisa, I know you were laughing. I know you were laughing. She said, but I also know how much you loved your grandmother. And she said, that is the best send-off I've ever seen. And she would have loved it. So <laughs> I don't know why I was laughing. It doesn't mean I loved her any less. It was just my expression of a goodbye. So that wow. was an interesting, <laughs> another interesting experience for Trading Places too. I, I like the description of your grandmother. That's, that was like my grandmother and right down to, she was an Italian woman. So I ate a lot of um, pasta, a lot. Um, so you talked about, uh, you had mentioned in that, that, that very entertaining story, by the way, about future memories. And this is definitely a topic that, um, that would be fun to dive into. Um, and this we'll, we'll talk about Edward in the process, because as we've been following since trading places, one that, you know, you had met somebody and you had specific future memories, visions and whatnot regarding this person. So one thing I know everybody wants to know is where are we at in, in this tale, this romantic tale that is developing <laughs> right now of, uh, of Edward. Um, I'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> First of all, I define future memories as a series of events or a set of circumstances that have already occurred. And the more I think about this, the more I've pondered on it is that I often wonder if the past, present and the future has already occurred. It's different. The visions I've had are different to past lives because I know I'm not the Louisa I am, I'm still the same soul, but I'm in the future memories, I'm Louisa. And for those that haven't seen Trading Places, one, go back and have a look, but I'll just give you a brief, brief summary. In future memories, I'm not sleeping, I'm walking, I'm sending emails and I'm transported to a parallel dimension, a parallel future. Some people call it shape-shifting. I can't consciously do it. But what I do know now, and I've thought about this, is we can't believe anything. We can't know anything unless we know the resonance of it. I can't astral travel. I can't go into any different planes of reality unless I'm familiar with the vibration of it. And I think that was pivotal in my understanding. So I would be taken to, I'd be walking. The first time it happened, I was walking down the street and I was in a car, in a black car. The car was traveling very fast. And I looked outside, it was dark, and I could see rows and rows of trees going by. And there was a man next to me. And I thought, oh my gosh, the first time I thought, oh my gosh, am I being kidnapped? What's happening to me? <laughs> but it happened over time and time again, about, about six or seven times. And I, it happened randomly. I couldn't choose to do this, but I knew, do know that I must have known the vibration of the man of his soul. I never saw his physical appearance. I saw the sh his energetic outline, his energetic shape. But I wouldn't recognize him, his face on the street. So it happened five, six, seven, eight times. And then we arrived at where our destination, our home. I knew there was some romantic involvement in some capacity. And for the next six, seven or eight times, I was transported to this house. And it, it's funny, 
I was a soul and I positioned myself in a cupboard. <laughs> and even though I was in the cupboard, I, it didn't matter because, well, obviously I didn't have eyes, but I could see the whole house. I could see everything, every event that was happening in the house. And I saw this man, the energetic outline of the man, the soul, searching for me, calling for me, opening cupboards. And he didn't hear me calling out to him. And then one day we locked eyes and he saw me. And I knew then that in this lifetime as Louisa, this man would come and find me. And then the next times I was transported there randomly, I, I couldn't do it myself. I would see him sleeping, the outline of him sleeping, and I would kiss him on the cheek. And I called this man Edward. We called, I knew his name wasn't Edward, and I knew he consciously didn't know of me visiting him. We like to assign names to guides, spirit guides, ghost, whatever you want to call it, but I called him Edward. And I would kiss him on the cheek and I'd say, Edward, come and find me. And a while ago, a couple of months ago, I received an email and I, I just want to say I received so many emails. Thank you so much. I'm so honoured by all the, the beautiful correspondence and it really changes my life. Some of the people that email me and I'm not going to name all the names, and, but really, really thank you so much. Some of the connections have been beautiful. So this man, uh, this is the short version. So this man emails me and says, I'd like to Zoom meet. I think I can help you on your quest. And I think, well, how presumptuous. I, I don't have a quest and synchronicities i replied to say okay but that night that whole night i didn't sleep and i woke up the next morning and i asked the questions why am i not sleeping should i not meet with this person is there something wrong and i received the message that it was edward and i thought oh my god <laughs> it can't be edward it's not possible and We'd agreed to meet a week later on Zoom and the night before I was given the message, his soul said, you need to tell him about these Edward experiences. And I said, oh my gosh, I cannot do that. Absolutely not. He's going to think I'm crazy. And this goes back to the love and the fear that we were talking about in the beginning of our conversation. I preached this stuff. So that day I was deliberating all day thinking, what do I do? And I knew I had the choice to choose love or choose fear and it probably was one of the scariest thing I've ever done and I allowed myself to be completely vulnerable and open and that was where and I told him and that 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 was where our story left off last time anyway I'm not really going to talk about Edward so much because you know we are the experiencer the experience is different. I'll talk about my experiences. I get a lot of questions about Edward. I've got some wonderful woman who emails me all the time. Each time I have a male guest on the show, she says, is that Edward? Is that Edward? <laughs> and no, well, Edward hasn't been on the show. I will say synchronistically, he has met three of the guests on Passion Harvest, which is kind of incredible. And there's a lot of other similarities and synchronicities i will say he's an american living in france so at first we started communicating it was great we speak on the telephone it was a swell of emotions for me it was 
it literally shocked me emotionally, physically, and spiritually. It's one thing to meet a soul on the astral and know them really well and travel there all the time, but it's another thing for it to come into physicality. And it's not that I... Well, I didn't expect it, but I guess I asked for it. And it, it, it was a swell of emotions. For the moment, there's international travel restrictions, so we cannot meet in, in person. Whether it's romantic love or a friend of a soul love, that, you know, that is to be determined. I do have future memories, which I do trust, and, and trusting is the ultimate freedom. But Edward, and his real name's not Edward, Edward doesn't want to know that and I completely respect that so I have to respect his decision and he may listen to this episode so I can't tell you <laughs> what I've seen but we chat on the phone and it's great it makes me happy we talk about everything and nothing and it's just very easy he's kind of like one of my best friends at the moment and that's good I would be intrigued to meet him in person I still don't understand completely why I've met this person, why he's on the other side of the world, but I do know that in some way we have met before. There is a similar resonance. I, I said to him once, I said, it's almost like we're two pieces of a puzzle that are fit together and it doesn't have to be romantic, but it feels like that in some way. Um, it's interesting. It's really, really interesting. He sent me a photo and this again reinforces that the future has already occurred and the resonance. He sent me a photo of a, uh, some horses in a paddock. I didn't even know they were his horses. And this horse came to me that night, all night. And it told me it had a, and by the way, I'm not a horse person. <laughs> I like horses, but I'm not a horse person. And I'm not an animal communicator. Well, generally not. This horse came to me during the night. It was so very real and it was in between waking and sleeping states. And it explained to me that it had a sore right hip and it showed me energetically how to heal it. It kind of got annoying after five hours. Like it just didn't leave me alone, this horse all night. And I did mend it and I did fix it. And it did ask me to tell Edward that he did have a sore back and I did tell him. And he didn't think I was weird or bizarre. <laughs> um, another, and that, that made me think the horse could not have come to me unless it knew my resonance or it had known me from the future. If we, we look at the linearity of time as passing of events, but if we look at the construct that there is no time, there is no beginning and there's no end, the horse came to me because it knew me from future events. That's the only possible solution I can come to. And the other really interesting thing is there's a dragon, Emperor Dragon line that runs close to or near his property that I had been tracking and mapping for the last year and a half. And interestingly enough, I know this line, I know the vibration of it. I know it from the past and I know it from the future. So that is why I could go to that part of the land to meet the horse as well. These funny interplays of connectedness that are so very real, but I don't always have the explanations from it, but I do know it to be true.
it's very, very interesting. Another interesting thing that happened <laughs> is, and this is kind of profound, I had this vision. I don't even know where I was. I think I was sitting outside on the balcony or something. And it's like this movie that played in my mind. And I'm in this vast space. It's infinite. It's black. It's dark. And I can see everything and nothing. It's like this giant void. And all I see is Edward and myself in this vast void as souls. And we're like children almost, childlike, giggling, having fun. And then everything pauses for a moment. It's like time pauses. And I see his giant smile. He smiles, does a, gives me a huge smile and kisses me on the cheek and says, come and find me. And then he jumps. And it, it's slow motion, but it's very, very fast. It was a, a very bizarre experience. And the next thing I remember in this vision is that I'm on top of the ceiling as a soul looking at his birth. And I know then that I was one of his guides, one of his main spirit guides. And I remember fractal fragments of his life. But I do know that just before he was, before he was three, I had the choice. I was offered the choice to come to this life in my humanness or stay as a guide. And I chose, I chose to find him or I had life missions for myself that I wanted to achieve. And I decided to come. And again, I was thinking about this before the episode. When he was three, something happened and I know I'd left the womb energetically. I transported to him because I know he'd almost died. He'd had an accident in, of some sorts and I was angry. I, don't, I wouldn't say I was angry. I was worried that his guides weren't taking care of him properly like I could. And I also was told just last night I had the choice whether he died or whether he'd not died, I had the choice to come, choose to come back into humanness. My mother had three or four miscarriages before I was born. So I don't think it would have been uncommon for her to have another one. I again was given another choice. And obviously I'm here. So I, cho I, choose, I chose to come into this humanist form as Louisa. And I'm, I thought, oh God, you know, this is really, really interesting. I'm going to have to ask him this but god he's going to think i'm weird and bizarre again <laughs> and it might not even be true and i said to him you know i'm just wondering by the way <laughs> when you were three did you nearly die and he said yes i did <laughs> he said i remember it. it was terrible i actually choked on a lollipop and the doctor was called and i remember i, I thought i was going to die and I, I said, oh, God, now I'm going to have to tell you another bizarre tale. <laughs> and I did. But it's still, you know, all these things, all these synchronicities are really, really interesting and fascinating. And I think knowing someone on such a different level opens up new possibilities. It's interesting when, we're, when we grow close to someone, whether it's a friend like you, Patrick, or a family member or when we have a deep connection with someone an intimate connection it doesn't have to be 
romantic necessarily. I've realized that what I have learned from Edward, and I've learned a lot, is that I broke down intimacy and it was into me I see. I've seen so much into me I see. I've learned more to I've learned more to love myself. I have to be myself. I've learned more to be in the now because there is only now. I don't want to live in the future when there's when the travel restrictions are over. I want to embrace life more. I want to be myself and I've learned to be myself unashamedly more. He said to me once, be yourself. It's liberating, like having a shower in the rain. <laughs> um, I've also learned that the soul is very different from the personality. It's funny to observe and watch this, the, the soul, his soul, which I know and I've communicated with for more than a year, is different. It's, not, it's less complicated. The soul's less complicated. It doesn't have baggage of lives or lifetimes necessarily associated with hurts and joys and achievements and loss and suffering and all these constraints we put on our personality in order, I think, to protect our heart. His soul is beautiful. I've seen his heart, but his personality is very different. <laughs> his personality, his character has so many polarities. He's, he's patient and, and very patient, but in some circumstances, he can be utterly impatient. He's kind and generous, but sometimes he can be unkind. He's He, he, he's loving. He has such a depth of love and sensitivity. But sometimes he can show such a lack of love to some people. It's really, really interesting to observe. And that's part of what makes up the person. I often wonder when we're reincarnated into these lives, does the imprint, the DNA imprint, do we have the cellular memory that transfers into our skin, into our flesh, into our blood, into our humanness? And then it removes again when we return to the non-physical. It's an interesting concept. So Edward has taught me a lot about into me I see. And I'm utterly grateful for the lessons. I'm, sometimes I write him emails and if I ever think, mm, maybe I shouldn't send that. I don't. And I realize it's actually intuitive communication that's meant for me. And I'm the one that's learning the lesson. I'm the one that wants to, I'm the one that needs to know this, not him. This is my experience. The experiences are external. And while this is a beautiful co-creation in some capacity, I think this is an experience I needed to have that was predetermined to have that is a future memory that is it is a what isness it just is and it's really interesting to watch the journey thank you so that that's a little update on edward <laughs> well that that fills it out quite a bit and um you touched on some topics that we definitely are going to need to expand on so the uh, the next topic is of course vibration frequency and vibration 
about how everything is energy and, and we are what we think all day long. One of my favorite sayings. We live, I mean, Patrick, you know more about this whole subject than I do. I know you do. You're the expert on it. But we live in a holographic reality where we live in a mirror. And I often think our experiences are a mirror of what we need to understand. Everything is energy. Everything is frequency. And everything is vibration. Our thoughts are the gateway to our consciousness. Thoughts create things. Energy creates matter. That's how I can explain it in very simple terms that I not only know in simple terms, but I do know that this to be true. It's everything, everything is a world of vibrations. And it's so important how we tread this path and so important to be mindful of our thoughts and our words and our deeds because they do create life. They do create our reality. I also would say you are not your thoughts, but you can create your thoughts and you can create your reality. And everything is spinning. Everything is energy. If you can look at it like now, and if you can look at it like the what isness of what you see right now, right in this very moment is aside from the fact it is the past. If you cannot get so caught up in the what isness of it, and you can change your thoughts and you can change your beliefs, you are able to raise your timeline and create your reality. If something happens that I don't want and that, well, nothing's unexpected. I say to myself, well, I created that. <laughs> if something happens that I do want, I say, God, Louise, you're on the right trajectory. I created that. <laughs> Um, so an example right now in this very moment, which is the past, I could spin energy. I could spin words. I could say, I, Louisa, I'm here to share my story so that you too may learn and be inspired by your own stories. I, Louisa, I'm here to share my truth so that you too may find your own truth and freedom. I, Louisa, am here to share my sorrows and my loss so that you too may be able to move through your loss. I, Louisa, am here to share my love with you because so that you too may find a greater capacity for love for yourself and for others in your life. Words are important. Words create things as well. And that is an example of spinning energy. Thanks, Patrick. Oh, well, thank you for, for a great, for a great answer. Um, yeah, you know, one of the things that I always think about when it comes to reality creation and, and our, our thoughts manifestation and all of that stuff and is about staying positive for positive manifestation and getting over, um, the way that things can make you feel in life. And these are some great subjects that you, you discuss, you know, how we can get over fear, how we can get over grief, because that will set you free once you get around fear and such. So, and uh, through the course of life, we make all these accomplishments. We get away from fear. We embrace love. We get over our grief. We meet our Edwards. 
we, we ra rise in our frequencies and vibrations and we start creating a wonderful reality for ourselves. How do we discover our passions? Go. Excellent question. <laughs> this show is about passion. <laughs> um, as I said, your thoughts are the gateway to your consciousness. And you just said, you know, it's really important to stay positive if you want the next moment of your holographic reality to be positive. I'm going to give you four questions that I'd really encourage you to ask yourself. Number one, <laughs> um, what, what, this is the, the best way to discover your passion and it's a great way to get to know who you are. Number one, what experiences do you want to have in your life? And this is not goals, it's experiences. What experiences do you want to have? I'll give you an example. And I, I've got so many, but uh, what experiences do I want to have? I would like to love passionately. I would like to dance in the rain and feel free and feel the, the drops of rain on my skin. And I would like to squelch my toes in the muddy ground. I would like to love someone so much that I wanted to be a better version of me every day. I would like to have someone love me that only wanted my freedom. I would like to love someone that was my full cup, my last breath, my everything. There are some of the experiences I want. The second one is what am I passionate about? Well, for me, the passion ambassador, I've got so many, I've got so many things I'm passionate about, but if I have to narrow it down, I'm passionate about being the best version of me I can. I'm passionate, obviously, about embracing my fears. I'm passionate about speaking and engaging with like-minded people, and I'm passionate about learning and exploring new ways of consciousness, new ways of thinking. And I'm passionate, really passionate about being of service to others and being able to help others. The third question is, what am I good at? <laughs> so ask yourself the question, what am I good at? Here's an, I'm going to give you an example for all of mine that I'm just randomly making up. What am I good at? Well, I'm good at anything that I'm passionate about. I'm good at speaking, I'm good at communicating, I'm good at loving, I'm good at using my vibration to speak the words because at the end of the day, it's not the words that you say, it's how you made people feel. So they're just some of the things I'm good at. Um, and the final one is what, is, what, what, what in the world do you want to change? What in the world do you want to change? Here's my example. Um, well, first of all, I always say it's an inside job. So number one, you have to change yourself. You, you, if you want to be a beacon of light to others, you have to be a beacon of light to yourself. I would like to change, enable, to encourage. I would like to encourage people to live a more passionate life. I would love to inspire people to jump out of bed in the morning and be excited for the day. I would love to inspire people to 
realize that you are enough and you can live the life of your dreams. I would like to inspire people to be the captain of their ship, the author of their story, the navigator of their own life and to stop letting life happen to them and instead living a lived life, not a liveless life. And I would also say be the architect, be the architect of the world that you wish to create because the world needs passionate people. We're all so individual and we're all so unique and we all have so many gifts to give to this world. The world needs passionate people. That's probably then that's the final question. So I really encourage you to answer those for yourself and maybe you'll learn to know a bit more about yourself and more about your passions. Well, there you have it from the International Passion Ambassador. Well, thank you very much, Louisa. Um, was there anything additional that you would maybe like to add to the, to the conversation here? Patrick and I are doing a Soul Harvest event. I think it's the first or the second week in September. I'll put a link in the show notes. It's really a powerful event. It's pretty awesome. And I don't prepare what to say at this event, which absolutely terrifies me, but I'm getting much better at it. But it's incredible reading the collective consciousness. It's, it's pretty powerful. And I'm excited. The next one's called Who Am I? Which is a question asked throughout the ages and the power of the I am. So I'm looking forward to seeing what happens in that, Patrick. And I just want to say to you, thank you so very much. Well, yeah, I'm looking forward to that too. So, and of course, I, I'm the, the local moderator. More excited about having gotten through training places part two yay <laughs> patrick you're you're amazing you are an absolute team player thank you so much and for anyone wanting to connect with patrick who writes incredible articles i'll make thank sure you. your website link is in the show notes as well really i'd encourage you to check it out appreciate it thank you thank bye. you <laughs> bye patrick that is the end of our passionate episode. Thank you so much for listening and please subscribe, leave a review, tell your friends and spread the passion. As always, every day, may you be more and more passionate.